The Gospel of Luke, according to the third chapter, praise to you, O Lord. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Eturia, and Tracontus, okay, uh, and uh, Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of, the God, word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Do not collect any more than you have required to, he told them. Then some of the soldiers asked him and said, what should we do? He replied, don't exhort money and do not accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expect expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered to them, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather all the wheat into his barn, but he will burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod, the Tetrarch, because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Our sermon 
comes from our gospel lesson in Luke chapter 3. Now may the hearts and your minds be enlightened to know the height and the breadth and the width and the depth that God has for you in his son, Jesus Christ. Did you know that the Roman Empire instituted a tax on urine? Now, wait a minute, Pastor. You mean to tell me that you're going to start your Advent sermon with this? Well, be gracious, my friends and fellow Christians, and I'll explain further. In Rome... Urine was vastly used to wash their clothes. And so the emperors issued a tax on it for those who bought it. And in Malachi's reading this morning, we have the same thing. We have the Fuller's soap. And this uh, Fuller's soap, they might have used uh, urine or plants and other um, detergents. Uh, <clears throat> to uh, wash their clothes. But the way that they did this is they had a pool and they would kind of like the I Love Lucy where she's stomping grapes to make wine. Um, they, they used to take the urine, they'd put the, or the fuller soap and they'd stomp on it and they would uh, wash their clothes. It was their ancient way of having bleach. And um, both the, the Romans and the ancient Israelites did this. Uh, and we also have in our text the smelting of gold and silver, right? This was a purifying process where they would take the rock and the sand and the gold and the silver and they would put it into the flames and the gold would be purified at 1,947 degrees Fahrenheit. And here are just two examples of how they trampled or burned something to almost nothing. And furthermore, in our gospel reading, John testifies that there's a winnowing fork and the winnowing fork was used to separate the wheat from the chaff. So they would take a, a pitchfork and they would throw the wheat up in the air and the light part of the wheat, the chaff, would blow away and the wheat would fall into a pile and <clears throat> that's how they would uh, separate the husk from the wheat itself. And God uses this as everyday, everyday items so that we can relate to his judgment of what's going to happen when God 
comes back. Now, of course, these are just human ways of explaining something that is really beyond our explaining. We can't really grasp that great day. The writers of our text this morning, Malachi and Luke, they can only give us human ways to explain the mighty, the almighty day of judgment when God returns. Malachi wrote, From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statues and have not kept them. You see, the Israelites never kept God's commandments, and neither do we. We are not promise keepers. We are promise breakers. The prophet continued, I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress the wage earners in his wages, the widow and the orphans, and those who turn aside the alien that do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. And furthermore, Luke wrote, Indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. So every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And we too have fallen short, haven't we? We may not have committed adultery, but if we have looked upon a woman with lustful thoughts in our minds, we have already committed adultery. We swear falsely. We don't let our yes be yes and our no be no. We can just look back at our New Year's resolutions as proof of this. And we often neglect the poor and the needy. Our outreach is often meager and bleak. For we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the prophet Malachi asks a good question. He says, but who, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? The answer is nobody. Nobody will be able to stand on that day. But this is why John the Baptist was sent 
as a messenger before God for repentance and for forgiveness of sins. And although this was a baptism for sinners, there were the Pharisees and the Sadducees along the banks of the river, and they stuck out like a sore thumb. They were dressed in their Sunday's best, not in camel hair. And John addressed them, and he said, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. You see, self-pride and wanting to be seen, these religious leaders thought they were in right standing before God. They thought that they, too, had kept God's law. And therefore, they had no need to be baptized for repentance because they thought they were already all right with God. And of course, there were plenty of sinners lined up to be baptized by John, such as tax collectors and soldiers. And these so-called dregs of society, after receiving baptism, asked, what must we do? And John replied, well, if you have two tunics, give the one who is in need one. And do not collect more money than is required of you. And you should be content with your wages. Now, of course, these are not commands that are required for the forgiveness of sins. But this is what flows out of them, out of a free gift of salvation after being baptized by John their response was well what can we do it was it was like they were putting suggestion into John's suggestion box and John said now go serve your neighbor now you're free to serve your neighbor this is not a condition upon your salvation. This is the free, what flows freely out of the gift of salvation. Now you're free, free to go and love your neighbor and serve your neighbor. And as the crowds began to multiply and we're in a state of expectation they were starting to wonder, is John the Messiah? God's anointed one? <clears throat> and John responded, as for me, 
I baptize you with water. But one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You see, John had fulfilled his calling, pointing his followers to Christ and to him alone. He knew that he had to decrease while Jesus had to increase. And this too was fulfilled by John in the Old Testament through the prophet Isaiah. He said, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord. And as you recall at the beginning of John's ministry, John said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You see, John was very unique in that he had one foot in the Old Testament and another in the New Testament. And John here now announces the beginning of the end. And in our epistle reading this morning, Paul writes, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, this good work in you began what was foretold by the prophets of old. This good work began in you when our Savior was born by the Virgin Mary. This good work began in you when your Savior was laid in the manger. This good work in you began when our sacrificial lamb went to Calvary's cross for you. This good work began when Jesus Christ for you was resurrected, putting away your sin and death for all eternity. That is when the good work began in you. And not only that, after Jesus' resurrection, he promised to send the Holy Comforter, the Holy Spirit that indwells in you to make sure that that good work will continue until the day Christ Jesus returns. And if you're unsure of this or in doubt of this, just as the Romans and the ancient Israelites 
used fuller's soap to trample out the filth of your garments. Through your baptism right here, your filth rests at the bottom of this baptismal font, never to be seen again by God the Father. Because here, <clears throat> here, you have died in the likeness of Christ Jesus' death. And here, you have been raised anew. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And not only that, John the Baptist, out in the wilderness, was sustained by honey, wild honey, and locust. God provided for John out in the middle of nowhere. And in your wilderness, the wilderness that you live in, called the United States of America, the wilderness that you dwell in, God has provided something even better than wild honey and locust. He has provided a meal for you here at the altar through bread and wine. This bread and wine to sustain you in this wilderness, to nourish, to strengthen your faith until he comes again, which we know he is coming for you. Yes, Jesus was born to die, but this is only half the story. He's coming again for you. And when Christ returns, you will be transformed into his likeness. <clears throat> Even the creation now groans, waiting for the earth to be restored the way it was intended to be. All of us who believe and trust in Christ, that Christ is our only hope, we will not be consumed. Regarding the second coming, Malachi recorded, he will sit as a smelter and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. Why? So that they may present to the Lord offerings of righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord in the days of old and as in former years. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. The good work that God began and will complete is the only one who can do it. God is the only one who can do it. And he did it for you here on the cross.
He did it with his only begotten son. And again, on that day, mark the words of the prophet Isaiah. Every ravine will be filled, and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight, and the rough roads smooth, and all flesh will see the salvation of our Lord. Come quickly, Lord Jesus.